0: been a few years since I've been able to get up here, and I'm excited for what God wants to do. Oops, and Like I said, he um, gave me a word a while back, and he's tweaked it, and I think it's appropriate for now, okay, it's appropriate for now because it's the new year, and it's a beginning, and so I just want to encourage all of you for what God has planned I believe he has some pretty amazing things for us so first thing I want to do is I want to read you some lyrics from the song the blessing this is how I want to start out the Lord bless you and keep you make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. He is with you. He is with you. And that song just really speaks to me because that's who he is. He's our daddy. And from someone who didn't know a daddy growing up it's made him so much more a huge part of who I am now so father God I'm just gonna I just want to pray and ask that you would take whatever you don't want me to share just wipe it out of my head father God I just give you permission obedience is greater than sacrifice and so father God I want to obey I want to share what you have for me to share and so, Father God, I just submit this time to you, that you would move through me, Father, that there would be listening ears, that, that the words that you've designed would pierce hearts, that lives would be enlivened and also changed if they need to be. And so, Father, I thank you. I praise you and I give you glory because you are a good, good God. So the title today is The Goodness of God. So a great deal of my life has been filled with generational curses, pain, heartache, and abuse. And I'm not going to go into any of those details. Some of you have heard my story before, and you know what I've been through. It has not been an easy, especially my childhood, but even into my adult life. And so I just want to share the key scripture for today is Psalm 107 one through 10, it's a little bit long, but I, um, I just really believe that this is important. Let everyone give all their praise and thanks to the Lord. Here's why, he's better than anyone could ever imagine. Yes, he's always loving and kind, and his faithful love never ends. So go ahead, let everyone know it. Tell the world how he broke through and delivered you from the power of darkness, and has gathered us together from all over the world. He has set us free to be his very own. Some of us once wandered in the wilderness like desert nomads with no true direction or dwelling place. Starving, thirsting, staggering. We became desperate and filled with despair. Then we cried out, Lord, help us, rescue us. And he did. He led us out by the right way until we reached a suitable city to dwell in. So lift your hands and thank God for his marvelous kindness and for all his miracles of mercy for those he loves. How he satisfies the souls of the thirsty ones and fills the hungry with goodness. Some of us once sat in darkness, living in the dark shadows of death. We were prisoners to our pain, chained to our regrets. So I think many of you have heard a lot of, what I have been through, but I am just gonna say the enemy has tried to destroy my life over and over and over throughout my life. Some of you have known very intimate details about my life and I'm just here to tell you that I was an abused child. I was unloved and unwanted and it was a very painful life to live. And there were many generational curses in my family that kind of got carried through not only a <clears throat> just a lot of really hard things rape was one of the things that was rampant in my family my grandmother had been raped many times my mother was raped i was a child of that rape and i have been raped my daughter my oldest daughter has been raped our son was raped And I'm just telling you that that is a generational curse. And there are other curses that aren't maybe as severe as that. But I want you to know that God will heal that and break that curse. Jeff and I finally learned you can break these generational curses. And when we did that, our other two children have not had to deal with that. So you can break that curse in your life so that it doesn't get perpetuated. There's a lot of other curses, anger and rage and those kind of things that that we've we've had to deal with. But I'm just here to encourage you. There is nothing that God cannot heal. There is nothing that God cannot take and turn it for what he wants to do. So my passion, after going through the many things that I've gone through, is to bring freedom to other people. My passion is encouraging, teaching, mentoring, and bringing healing through prayer and deliverance. Um, My life before Jesus was very painful. He took a broken, rage-filled, former drug addict, drug dealer, without an identity, and used it for his good. Ernest Hemingway has a quote that I love. We are all broken. That's how the light gets in. So it's amazing. I got saved, and I don't like to share my testimony because it's painful, very painful, even though God has healed me, and so it doesn't have the sting it once had. Um, I was living with my boyfriend, got into a fight with him, went out drinking with a friend. I ended up getting attacked, being raped several times, being held against my will. And I was desperate. I realized after hours and hours and hours that I kept trying to get away and couldn't get away. And I started thinking about my little girl. I had a six-year-old. And I'm thinking, God, what if I never get to see her again? What if something happens and I'm not able to tell her one more time that I love her and that I'm sorry I made this mistake? and. I, I was just at this broken place, and I finally cried out. I had a friend at church that was a believer, and she had said, if you ever need something, call out to God, because he'll always be there for you. That's all she ever said to me. And I remembered it in that moment. So don't ever despise your little seeds that you plant in people's lives, because it makes a huge difference. So I'm in this desperate place, and I cried out and said, God, if you get me out of this, I will serve you for the rest of my life." And I just laid there for a moment, and then I opened my eyes, and I could see there was light outside. And I thought, okay, it's light outside. If I can get outside, I'm not going to be so afraid, because I don't know where I am. I have a vague memory of being thrown into a cab with two men. And so I don't even know where I am, and I'm I'm just, Lord, help me. And I was able to get up and get out of there. and I. Found myself, I was down by the galleria downtown. For those of you who've been here for a while, you know where that used to be. And I walked and I walked. And I was working downtown at that time, so I found my bus stop. I had enough change in my pocket to take the bus, and I got home. I took a really long shower, and then I called my friend and said, Where do you go to church? And she was kind of shocked, but she told me. And I went to this church, and it was a huge warehouse church. And I'm sitting in the back, of course, because I don't know what's going on. I've never been to church. I didn't know God my whole life. And they did an altar call. And I'm like, oh, this is what I've been waiting for. I'm going to give my life to God. And so i it was huge, church. By the time I got to the front, nobody was there for me to give my prayer and and get right with God. And so I thought, well, I'm not going to stop here. So I went back down the hall behind the stage And found an office. I'm assuming it was the pastor's office. And there's all these people sitting around talking. And I said, uh, I wanted to get prayer. And so they give me this cute little old lady to get prayer with. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, how am I going to talk to her about all this? But I did. I gave my life to Christ. I went to church for six months at that church. And still living with my boyfriend. Didn't have any inclination. I needed to change anything in my life because... They talked about missions and they talked about all these things that I had no clue what any of that meant. I never knew God. I didn't know any of what was right and what was wrong. I lived in a very evil home. My my stepfather was evil. He was horrible. He was abusive. And and I didn't know about love like that, like the love of Christ. And so my sister, who was unsaved, called me one day and said, Marilyn, there is this church. My husband and I went to it. Her husband was a musician. We heard that they had really good music, so we wanted to go, and we went. And their music's great. You'd probably really like it. I said, well, great, because this church is really not doing a whole lot for me. And it was Newsong. And so we I met my sister at Newsong. She never went back. She never got saved. And yet, I went there, and Richard was speaking in Romans, and at I felt like my heart was fractured <laughs> because I had so much to take care of, so much to deal with. Didn't know how to do any of it, but every week I went forward, and I cried, and I cried, and these women were so wonderful and so gracious to me, and they held, it just felt like a, a balm, a, a, like a salve had been poured over these wounds that I had. And it just really helped me to change my life and to see differently. I had a meeting with our our associate pastor there, was Jim Andrew. And I remember setting up a meeting with him. And I had so much crud in my life that I sent him like a five-page letter. This is my life, you know, beforehand. Because I knew I wouldn't have time to tell him all the stories. And so I sent him this letter, went in there, and he was just blown away that I'd sent the letter and I remember the one big thing that I got out of that meeting was I didn't know how to transform, how to change things in my life so that I could really, really walk for Christ. And he handed me this little paint thinner can that had all kinds of paint all over it. It was really gross and ugly and rusty looking. And he goes, This is your life right now, right? And I go, Okay. And then he says, This is what God wants to give you. And he handed me this beautiful crystal vase. And I went to let go of the can to grab it. And he goes, oh, you can't let go. And I had to realize, oh, my God, I needed to let go of all these things I thought I needed in my life. And I let go of that and reached out for that vase. And God has transformed my life. Yes, um, not everything's been easy. There's been hard times, too. But still, my life is a totally radical change from what it was so radical that in 10 months of getting saved I became Pastor Richard's secretary and the bookkeeper for the church God knew I needed accountability I needed to be in a place where I could not stray off I had to stay on the straight and narrow path he knew what I needed in every step of my life so um, what I did (laughs) what really amazed me is that I can remember there were a lot of people came forward one Sunday, and one of the altar ministry workers grabbed me and said, come up and help. And I'm like, I've never prayed for anybody at the altar. And she said, oh, God will take care of it. And I go, all right. So after that, I spent 27 years doing altar ministry work because I loved it. God used me. God used those painful experiences that I had been through to be able to have compassion and understanding and minister to people's hearts that, like me, when I first went there, were broken. Excuse me. So um, we also, uh, Jeff and I actually became leaders of one of the teams of ministry workers at our church. There were like, I don't know, 1,000, 1,200 people there. It was a big church. And so we were involved in that ministry, like I said, 27 years. We served in children's ministry from nursery all the way through high school along with our kids. That was one of the tenets that they had is that if you had kids, you did the ministry as well. And so we went all the way through with all of our kids. We did have um, four children. For three years, we took classes in prophetic deliverance and healing because those were areas that God called us to. We had a mentor, Cliff Baker. Some of you here know him. He was a fantastic mentor to have. And we went through a lot of training to understand, better understand how to walk out what God wanted to do with us. We went through personal deliverance because we had things. Um, it's like I see Jeff as a fisher of men. He likes to go out and reach out to people that really, really need God. He's the fisher, but somebody's got to clean the fish. And I feel like that's Jeff and I That's um, and the healing rooms that we run here. We feel like that's kind of our job. People come in, and yes, you are redeemed, you have a new mind, but those old, um, those old things still plague you. Those old things will still draw you back into things, and those things need to get dealt with. So we were, um, we were on the prophetic team every Sunday night, and we absolutely loved it. Excuse me. We worked for another healing room, which I was just talking to our new friend James here about, Uh, We worked with uh, Portland Healing Rooms for two years and just loved the ministry. Just, oh, we we were so thrilled to be involved in that ministry and just see people go from being so broken and and many people with a lot of mental illness issues that were just totally torn up with their issues. And to be able to see them get set free is just, it's it's amazing to see how God can do that. Then uh, in 2009, I was meeting with Charlie on a weekly basis, and I wanted to thank Charlie for his help. Um, I let him know that we wanted to start our own healing room. We had some differences with, with the other team. They wanted you to keep it to only a 15-minute prayer, and we're like, the Holy Spirit shouldn't get timed. you know. I think the Holy Spirit should be able to run with what he wants to do. And so he helped set me up with somebody. We found out there was going to be a conference coming up, in a very short amount of time and we're like we're broke there's no way we can afford to go to spokane go to a conference get a motel room and do all this stuff so we just said okay god if you want the four of us that we're going to start the team if you want us to go you'll provide and we didn't say anything to anybody about it within days three different people came up to us and said god told me to give you this they gave us exactly the amount of money we needed for a motel room, for gas to get there, all the food for a team of four people. And we you know—we didn't advertise, we didn't let people know we needed it. God answers prayers. So we've been doing healing rooms for 15 years. We absolutely love it. I've taken a little break away to spend some time with my mom lately. I really want to get back. But... Um, We do pray for physical emotional and spiritual healing we also just give prophetic words if that's what people need sometimes they just need that encouragement we came home many nights so filled with fire after praying for people and seeing what god did that we couldn't even sleep at night we would just sit up really late and talk about it because we were just so excited about what god was doing in people's lives so Part of what brought me here to to want to speak is we've been going through a lot this last year. Some of you know about it, some of you may not know the details of it, but in the end of January, our son was arrested for domestic violence and he came to live with us in February. He has struggled with depression and suicide for probably 20 years and we've been walking through that with him for that time. And so he was extremely depressed. So we brought this very depressed and suicidal person into our home, which really was difficult to be around him every day, all day, and see him walk through that grief of what he had done and what had been done to him and all the things that he was going through. And so we were walking through that with him. And within six months, our son-in-law attempted suicide. And I was furious. I was furious with him. Because our beautiful daughter, who, you know, she's not perfect by any means, but our daughter and two babies would have been left without a father and a husband. That made me so angry that how could he do that to her? And how? And then I was mad at her because how could she not know he was in that place? And so <clears throat> it's really easy when you're going through hard times, I think that. I think the big thing that I learned is during hard times, stay wrapped in his presence. Stay wrapped in his presence. I didn't do that the whole time. I got really offended. I got really upset. I was offended at James for what he had done. I was offended at his wife because she provoked and she has mental illness and she's caused all kinds of grief and stress and strain on his life. I was upset and offended by Joseph because he tried to kill himself. I was upset with Christy because she didn't know about it. And I really believe that God wants to flow through us like a river. I mean, he wants it to be not just a little trickle, not a little creek. He wants a big river to go through us of his presence, his love, all that he has. He wants to pour those things through us, and if you start getting offended, I I, he showed me each offense that I had was like a boulder. And so kapon, here goes a boulder. Here's a boulder of James, a boulder of Korea. you know, all these people that had done things that offended me, and all these boulders were coming in my river. And then it got so that I was offended by almost everybody. I got offended by my husband, little little things with him, my friends. I felt unwanted, I felt left out, isolated, and I started getting depressed. And this was part of just that whole thing of all this oppression and all this ugliness that had come into our life. And how do you deal with that? How do you walk with that? <clears throat> so I have to remember that there's Romans eight twenty-eight, which we all pretty much know. We are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good, for we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purposes. And so we know that even these things are ugly. The ugly things of my past, God has woven those and moved them in to making me who I am so that I have compassion and understanding and I have a purpose. And so we have to let go. We can't let offenses build up. We can't hold unforgiveness against others. So I believe that God has given me some things that he wants me to release over you today. Now, many, many times over through our time praying for people, God shows me a tool belt. If you're right-handed, it's on your right side. If you're left-handed, it's on your left side. And so I'm releasing tool belts to all of you today. And you're thinking, why do I need a tool belt? Well, God weaves the strap that holds your tool belt on with three things the father the son and the holy spirit so he attaches this tool belt onto you with him with himself and so lord i just release tool belts to everyone in this room everyone who may be watching online that we need tool belts to hold all the tools that he's given us and they're not there are tools not only for ourselves but for others and so the first tool in your tool belt should be the armor of God. And I know that most of you know all the pieces of the armor of God, but I'm just going to repeat it quickly. That's in Ephesians 6, <clears throat> 11, says to put on the complete armor provided for us so that you'll be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. So those parts are the helmet of salvation to renew and protect your mind and to give you the mind of Christ. The breastplate of righteousness is to protect your heart and your back. And a lot of times you think a breastplate, it's only going to be on the front. Nope, it covers your back as well. If you think of armor, it goes all the way around. And the fiery darts of the enemy don't don't always come at the front. He likes to be sneaky and come against your back. The belt of truth is to stand firm in the word of God. And it also protects your loins because the belts weren't like the belts we wear today. They actually had a thing that came down over your loin area. So it also, I believe, protects you from sexual immorality. The shield of faith is to extinguish the arrows of the enemy. So as things are coming against you, and sometimes when you have attacks coming against you, you get kind of weak. And I think your armor gets kind of weak, or you forget to put your armor on. And so that shield is really there to help extinguish the arrows of the enemy. The shoes of peace is to walk in righteousness, and also to lead the way for other people to follow. The sword of the spirit is to attack the enemy with the word of God. It's one thing that I use prophetically a lot when I pray for people is that uh, the sword, he'll tell me, get out your sword. And I mean, when I pray for people, Jeff and I, we see in the spirit and we also hear from God, we walk prophetically. And so he gives me prophetic acts to do sometimes and the sword of the spirit is one of those things that he uses quite often. Also, I want you to know an orphan spirit, which I've heard Charlie talk about a lot of times, an orphan spirit will accept the attack and will identify with it. So you are not an orphan. That's First John 3, 1. Look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us. He has called us and made us his very own children. So you are not an orphan. So, the second tool is forgiveness. Um, I had a horrible relationship with my stepfather. I, it was awful. I mean, he, it was a horrible childhood. I had a loving mother, which was, it's really a weird kind of combination. I had a loving mother, but I had a very cruel and horrible father. He was so cruel, I can remember, not just to me, but my other siblings. One time, my mom and I went to the grocery store, and... We came home and I saw my brother and sister with their heads in the window and they were sobbing. And I thought, oh God, what did he do to them now? And when I got inside the house, found out my brother had been playing with matches in the laundry room. My dad found it. And so to punish them, he held their fingers over the gas stove. They had one blister on every single finger of all 10 of their fingers. And they were in first and second grade. This is the dad that I grew up with. This is why I love my daddy, because he is so good. He's so the opposite of what I experienced on earth. So I thought I was punishing my dad. I didn't see him. I didn't let my children be around him. I really wanted nothing to do with him. And we had family get-togethers, Christmas and birthdays. You'd have to see him. But I'd never invited him over. Didn't really have anything to do with him. And just so happened God was calling tugging on my heart and saying you can't hate him anymore I mean I hated him so much I can remember at age 10 if I could have killed him I would have done it if I could have gotten away with it I had so much rage and hatred in my heart towards him and God said you can't do this anymore you can't hate him anymore as a Christian you can't hate you can't love me and hate someone else and I'm like but God you know what he's done and God said, no, you cannot hate someone. You've got to let this go. And so he said, I want you to ask him to forgive you. And I go, why would I ask him to forgive me? And he goes, for hating him. And I said, okay, God. I thought, all right, I'm safe. God, you're going to have to set it up because I don't hang around with this guy. I don't have anything to do with him. So I'm not worried about it. Guess what happened? His dad died. And we were all going to go to the funeral. And we're at my mom's house gathering, and we're all getting ready to go. My dad goes, who wants to ride with me? Crickets. (laughs) Nobody wants to ride with dad. And I heard my voice, I will. And I'm thinking, I don't remember. How'd that come out? I don't remember that. So anyway, I rode with my dad to the funeral. And during that time, God said, this is your divine appointment. And I thought, oh, because his heart was softened. He was in a place where he could hear what I had to say. And so I just turned to him and said, Dad, I need to ask your forgiveness. And he goes, why do I need to forgive you? If anything, you should forgive me. And I said, Dad, I've hated you. and I've, I mean, I said, I have hated you for so many years. I'm a Christian now. I can't hate you anymore. I need to let it go. So will you forgive me for hating you for so many years? And he said, of course, yes. And he goes, in fact, you don't know how much every day I regret the way I treated you and the other kids. Every day I have sorrow that I was that person. I have always loved you, and I don't know why I hurt you. Will you forgive me? Now, I got to hear for the first time in my life, my dad loved me. I'd never heard that before. So by being obedient to Christ, I got a reward out of that. So forgiveness is a very important thing. And forgiveness is not for the other person. It's for you. And there's a saying that I've said, and I know I've heard Charlie say it before, is unforgiveness is like taking poison and expecting the other person to die. That's kind of the attitude that I had towards my dad. So, Lord, I'm just asking right now, if anyone has any unforgiveness in their heart, Father God, that you would reveal it to them that they might be able to get things cleaned out, that they would be able to have a, a clean slate for this year. Father, if there's anyone that they're holding anything against, reveal it to them and either show them how to deal with it or have them go to someone that can help them with it. We just release that as a tool in your tool belt in Jesus' name. Third is Holy Spirit revelation. It will guide you on how to pray for people so many times people pray from their head god doesn't necessarily want that he wants you to pray from his heart so the way to pray from his heart and not your head i mean we all have prayed from our head we know these prayers oh yes lord forgive them or whatever there are prayers that we say that are kind of common prayers god wants you to pray with power and authority So when you know someone who's sick with cancer you don't go okay lord my friend has cancer heal them if it's your will that's what i consider a mamby pamby prayer we've all prayed them before but what god wants is for you to pray in power when you have that revelation he will show you god my friend has cancer i curse that cancer and i tell it to go to the feet of jesus that all cancer would go out of their body And, Father, I just release right now divine healing in their body. That anything cancer's tried to steal from them, you would restore it. You would refresh them. You would revitalize their body in Jesus' name. I mean, that's praying with power and authority. So, Lord God, right now, I just release that to everyone here, that you would receive that revelation on how to pray with power and authority. He's given it to us already. So let's grab it and take it, put it in our tool belt fourth is wisdom and discernment and for what a lot of people say oh wisdom comes with age let me tell you i know some pretty foolish old people (laughs) it is not true wisdom is not intelligence i'm not saying it's not good to learn and to be knowledgeable i think that's very important we have to learn how to use what um, god's given us so we need to learn but wisdom is not intelligence intelligence a lot of times gets in the way of the spirit So, excuse me, wisdom comes from relying on the Holy Spirit. Let him be your guide. Discernment is how to understand or know something through the power of the Spirit, including perceived true character. There's times where you just get a feeling about someone, you meet them and you're like, ooh, there's something off about that person. That's discernment working in you. So there's times you have to trust some of those instincts, and know that that is what discernment is. And as you walk in it and continue to move in it, you'll grow in it. <clears throat> there's also the discerning of spirits. Um, it's something that a lot that some people have, and um, Jeff and I both are able to see. And there's other people here that can see in the spirit realm. You can see angels and the bad guys, the demons. We can see... Um, Evil spirits, sometimes I just see a presence or I just know. God um, lets you know in your knower. And you just know that something there's something, a the presence that's not supposed to be there. Or there is a presence that's there to bring love and delight. Uh, the fifth is healing and miracles. <clears throat> healing and miracles is um, the difference between the two. Healing takes time. Healing is a slower process usually. Miracles, there you go, you're healed right on the spot. And through healing rooms, for all the years that we've prayed for people, we have seen hundreds of healings. And we've seen miracles as well. We have prayed for um, one of our friends who had tumors all throughout his abdomen. And when we were praying, the Lord said, command those tumors to melt. And so we commanded the tumors to melt. Guess what? He went in for a scan on Friday, and all his tumors were liquid. And we're like, praise God, that's awesome. So we have seen many people healed of cancer. And sometimes it's a slower process, sometimes it's a longer process. We've had a couple people with Lyme disease. Lyme disease is incurable. One woman um, was a psychiatrist, couldn't see patients anymore because she was so ill. She had nine different symptoms of the disease. And she came in over probably three or four months. And every time she came in, she had something fall off until all nine things were healed and she was be able to resume the ministry that she did for um, working with people. So um, one of the things that we had was, I mean, we have to realize God gave us the authority to do these things. He's given us the authority. And in um, John 14, 12, I tell you that this timeless truth who follows me in faith believing in me will do the same mighty miracles that I do even greater miracles than these because I go to be with my father and so um, Gail and Robin had a ministry that they were doing alongside healing rooms and they made homemade blankets they would bring them into healing rooms they would be anointed and we would all pray over them and then they would take them to people Robin worked in a medical office And they would take them to people that they'd heard have cancer. And Robin and Gail, how many healings do you know came from that? Do you remember? I know it was, huh? Right. But I remember over 20-some healings. I can't remember the exact number. But over 20 people got healed of cancer. And so God will take your faith. He'll take your seed of faith. And he will do amazing things if you just obey. We have to obey what he tells us to do. Prophecy is the next one, and it's so important. If you encourage others, that's the beginning of prophecy. I mean, just saying, "Wow, you you look beautiful today." That's encouragement, and prophecy is encouragement. The testimony of Jesus' goodness—that's prophecy because you're sharing, and that's one of the things we learned in the training that our friend Rich Hagler brought here. Was um, giving your your testimony. Your testimony is bringing a prophetic word to that person of what God has done. It's showing God's goodness. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it's the message from the heart of the God, of, heart of God. He gives you a message from His heart, and I mean, God's giving me really simple little things, little pictures or little words, and I've said it to someone, and they all of a sudden break down crying, and you're like, whoa, I mean, I said daisies. God wants to give you a bouquet of daisies, and this person starts bawling, and you're like, okay, God, (laughs) I don't know what this is all about, but God knows, and if you're obedient, and even though it sounds silly, I remember one of the stupidest ones I think I ever heard that God gave me was fabric softener sheet, and I'm going, what? I'm not going to tell this person, you're telling me you want to give them a fabric softener sheet? What is that all about? But I was obedient, and I did it. And it was because the person needed softening, and they needed to get rid of static in their life. I mean, so it's weird. Uh, You might hear or feel things or see things, and you're not sure what it means, but it doesn't mean you have to figure it all out. You just say what God's giving you, and that's what God wants you to do. And then he can either reveal it to the person, or he can reveal it to you. Okay, the last one is supernatural faith i thought it was weird that god put me put this last on my list of things he told me that after i released all the others that you would probably need supernatural faith to believe for it because many of us don't walk in supernatural ways and i think this is a new thing that god wants to do he wants to open up your mind open up your heart open up your spirit to the new thing We've all heard all these things about, oh, there's a new thing happening. Well, it's not really new. I mean, it's from thousands of years ago. All these things are things God walked in, Jesus walked in when he was here on earth. And he's told us in the scripture, in John, First John, that he wants us all to walk in these things. And so that supernatural faith, I just release supernatural faith to all of you, Father, that Father would be able to move in your life, that he would be able to open your ears and your eyes, that he would be able to open your hearts and your spirits to all that he wants to do. You are his precious, precious children. And what of us wouldn't give precious gifts to our children. So each of these tools are now resting in your toolbox prophetically. We have access to all the gifts through Christ. It is your choice on whether you decide to ask Holy Spirit to help you walk them out. If you need help, there's many people in this building that can that can help you understand better on how to use them, and uh, especially things that you're unfamiliar with. Each of you has an incredible storehouse of treasure in you that he wants to activate. And he wants to advance his kingdom through you, each one of you, have something to bring. There's no, you know, it's not a dog and pony show where only the people up on stage are the ones, that God speaks to. God wants to speak to each one of you individually. If he can do it for me, I mean, I, I was a drug addict. My, my first husband and I were drug dealers. If he can take somebody broken, walking in evil, and transform their lives into someone who can reach out and touch and bring God's love to people, he can do it for anybody. So, I want to make declarations. This is my second closing. (laughs) God is filling you with fresh wonder and eyes to see the beauty all around you. You are receiving fresh faith to expect the promises of God to come to pass. God knows you deeply and is fulfilling the desires of your heart. God is encouraging your heart so that you can dream again. You are precious to God. And his presence is always with you. Thank you, Jesus. I want to let you know that um, I have a a handout Jeff has back there if any of you are interested. Many of us have children who are prodigals who are not walking with God. or We know loved ones or even strangers, Jeff, who um, need to walk with God. And you meet them and you can see that there is a resistance there. There is something that's holding them back. And that it's called the binding and loosing prayer. It's specifically for our family members. But it goes through, um, you pray over this person, and you pray over them regularly, and God will set them free. God will change their mind. He'll transform their hearts. And so if you're interested in that, it's back on that table back there. I just want to thank you for this time that you're able to allow me to speak. And I just want to bless you in Jesus' name.